The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, talking today about SmackDown for July 4th, 2017. Joined, as always, as of late, by Chris Calicut. And we got Dennis Farrell uh, checking in with us. How's it going, guys? Good. Doing well. Cool, cool. So John Cena's back. Yeah, he's there. Um, And what I thought was actually kind of one of the more lackluster segments of the night. Here's hot take number one for the day. No, they really Um, built that up. They really built that up to have him come out, give essentially the same speech, uh, almost verbatim, that was in that video that came out last mm -hmm. year that everybody loves so much. Um, And then, hey, it's Rusev. Normally that would be a headline moment for SmackDown, perhaps only overshadowed by John Cena. And uh, it all devolves into a flag versus flag match that's going to happen at Battleground. So Yeah, Dennis, you're the old school guy. Uh, Talk to us about some flag matches. Welcome to Mid-South Wrestling at its best. Boy, oh boy. (laughs) I I don't even know what the rules of a flag match are. Maybe the first one to put their flag in a flag holder or last flag stand. I I don't even know at this point, but I love the way John Cena tried to convince us he's not a part-time wrestler after being gone for the last, what, four months? Yeah, I mean, he, he's there, he's back, but, you know, he did a lot of name-dropping. Uh, guys yeah. that he's already knocked down, and uh, I was waiting for it, and it did happen. He did drop Roman Reigns' name, so Mr. Free Agent, John Cena. Roman Reigns, on, SummerSlam, on, book it. <laughs> yep, I mean that that's makes the most sense to me. Um I don't really know where Reigns goes from the ambulance match, but uh, unless he goes back to to Lesnar, but I think this Joe thing has sort of turned some heads. Um but Cena versus Reigns at SummerSlam could happen. Uh, I would pay good money for it, 999 to be exact. Um <laughs> 1006, you know, what 1060 count taxes, all that fun stuff. But uh no, I, I just thought it was very elementary very um by the numbers uh they played it safe yeah and to for to make this big hullabaloo about his return i thought it was very very tame um and i I didn't really love it but the biggest part i didn't like was oh hey yeah russo's back i'm excited oh it's to face john cena to lose again to give cena a fairly big win probably going into a program with reigns well the protecting gender you know that they are thank god uh i'll be honest this i think this john cena split brain thing is going to be bad for the wwe they've worked really hard to protect and split the brands and now you have john cena come back he's like i'm going to show you i'm not a part-time wrestler i'm just going to wrestle twice a week until i disappear again for my next movie so i i don't think this letting him wrestle on both brains is good i pop up let them give you a pitch, try to sign you to a contract, but this cannot last long if you've spent the last year trying to convince me that these are split brands and separate rosters. Yeah, and it was kind of weird, too, because on one hand, there's the part-timer angle, but there was with him saying, my time is limited. It was kind of like, that's a weird <laughs> thing to say. 
Right. Um, yeah, but two guys. I mean, I think this is kind of a ratings ploy too. Hey, John Cena's oh, gonna be on both shows. Uh, so here you go, and it kind of proves his point semi right <laughs> at the same time. But you also, it's a big ratings bump. So are they necessarily uh, split brands now? But it also, like you said, gives him the freedom to go over to Raw, wrestle Roman Reigns. Shoot, I'd like to see a Cena Samoa Joe match at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, that could be good. But uh, before we go to fantasy booking land, let's uh, <laughs> move on in a little bit. Well, isn't it funny, though? Cena's on both brands. So, hey, SmackDown fans, start watching Monday Night Raw. Like, how yeah. often do you see that as the ploy? Um, it was just weird. It was a weird segment. The flag thing, okay, I get it. It's the 4th of July. Let's, the, perhaps the one day of the year, you know, we can be all USA, USA, and not have it be as cringy as it usually is. Um, but to set that up for a flag match and the flag match to happen at Battleground, um, the afterthought pay-per-view, the one that comes between now, the, the uh, much-anticipated Great Balls of Fire and SummerSlam mm-hmm. seem kind of strange. But, you know, guys, technically, I think we're missing out bearing the lead here. Technically, a flag is on a pole. So, you know. Very true. Uh, it's like a double-stip match, you know. Yeah. Uh, Russo may have somehow booked that uh, because it's on a pole. Um, but with that said, did you guys notice this week especially that the word coward was used pretty much in every other promo hmm. by the face to the heel? It's like it was one of those buzzwords that the office sends to their writers and their production team. Like, hey, get this in whenever you can. Uh, because you know how WWE gets in these moods where they start using words over and over. I think coward was the word of, of this week. Well, Vince McMahon has a word of the day calendar. And just every once in a while, something strikes him. And he's like, oh, this is good. Send this to creative. Mm-hmm. But if that's what all of your heel face premises are based off of, it just... It's very formulaic, very, very much stagnant. I mean, what else can you fight for? Oh, you're a coward. You don't want to fight me. It just, yeah, it just come up with something new. It's interesting. Alonzo Smith in the chat's asking, you know, will Cena show up at Great Balls of Fire? How long do you think it is till we see Cena on Raw? And why have him come back and hype the free agent thing only for him to announce his next match at the SmackDown only pay-per-view battleground? Very true. I think the bigger question is, does John Cena now have two sets of storylines per show? Is he going to have one that carries over back and forth? Because if you're just going to have him pop on, beat someone up, and then disappear to the next show the next night, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't really make sense to have him have two sets of storylines because he's going to be working double. He's going to get beat up. He's putting out twice the effort. So does that mean on the SmackDown, the SmackDown guy is going to have an easier chance of beating him every week now? Yeah, we really need a good split personality or evil twin storyline <laughs> if we're going to carry yeah. this through. You know, Bizarro Cena. Maybe the <laughs> professor of thugonomics can return to Monday Night Raw. Mm. And, you know, it writes itself from there. The uh, Bella scene. Yeah. Uh, so, AJ Styles versus Chad Gable. A match that... Uh, okay, so what's going on with Chad Gable in relation to Jason Jordan? Chris, am I missing some story that's been going around with this? Not to my knowledge. I think it's they have absolutely nothing for American Alpha, so they're doing doing a little experimentation, um, and I think it's actually working in Gable's favor. Oh, they um, put him over huge last night. Yep, and if you watched uh, Talking Smack, too, AJ Styles absolutely put uh, Gable over to the moon. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was an interesting move, so... Like I said on Twitter, if you're able to counter the Styles Clash 
into an offensive move of your own, they have a little bit of trust in you. Uh, they, they like you. So, yeah. uh, I mean, Jason Jordan really looks the part of more of a single star, but, uh, and has good work as well. But I think his time might come if they don't have anything else for the team. Uh, but Gable looked fantastic and uh, announcers and styles put him over. Big time. Now, is it, isn't this Gable's second match to Jordan zero over the last like month? Yes. Yeah. So, so what that's telling me and just trying to be analytical here is maybe Jordan's nursing an injury or they're protecting him for some reason right now. Yeah. He was in the battle Royal, but he didn't do a whole lot. Jordan was. I don't know. I, so even if you have a little nagging injury, you could get tossed over as long as you know how to take the bump. So, right. Yeah. It was weird. Weird, weird, weird. Not in a bad way, but uh, AJ putting him over, shaking his hand after. All, all, he, all those have to do is AJ to put Chad Gable up on his shoulders, walk him through the audience, and be like, "Eh, this guy, huh? Eh? <laughs> you know." I mean, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty full on last night. I thought, but they were battling for the right to enter that battle royal. Um, AJ Styles won. Went on to that uh, later in the evening. We'll talk about the Battle Royal and its results. But, yeah, Chad Gable is, is fantastic, immensely talented. Both American Alpha are. Um, this is just an interesting little split, given uh, how they've been completely misused on the main roster. Uh, speaking of tag teams, maybe in jeopardy, Mojo Raleigh last week, or uh, last night, rather, having a bit of a moment of re- reflection backstage as Zack Ryder comes to cheer him up and setting the stage for what was to come later with the hype rose might be no more. So hold on to those t-shirts, everybody. They're going to be. Oh no. What will I ever do with my life with no hype bros? (laughs) The hype bros are kind (laughs) of over though. I mean, like the crowd kind of digs them. This is why it's kind of weird, right? I mean, it works now. Granted the tag division right now is in a little bit of disarray, but it's just a strange sort of decision now to be like, Oh no. Cause Zack Ryder's solo career you know, has gone so well in recent years uh, with his booking. And Mojo, they clearly know exactly what they want to do with him as a soul. Since he went uh, from, yeah, well, that, but super hyped to not hyped at all to mysterious uh, guy this week. But, I mean, they sort of split pretty easily oh, yeah. in, in the promo. But, um, yeah, I was hoping they would swerve us and maybe Ryder would be the one that turned. That, that would make a little more sense to me, especially if they're building up Mojo as a, face but hey if, if they want to split them up and give mojo like this big badass heel type stuff that just runs over people i'm i'm cool with giving a giving him a shot with it and maybe they can alternate days that uh, each of them gives the backstage tours to kids so that way it won't be as hard on <laughs> their individual schedules mojo's like the reverse or the poor man's gender mahal he wins the over <laughs> the he wins the you know the andre the giant battle royal and then just goes straight downhill I don't, man, I mean, I've never seen someone win it and get nothing out of it as much as Mojo has. But he had the, um, the friendship with Rob Gronkowski. That was the, that was the thing. I mean, that, that's where, that's pretty much where his, uh, pluses lied. I mean, there was a few more minuses, uh, but that, that's where his strengths lied. He could get the hook up. He could get mainstream attention. He could get so, uh, I think that's tickets what, to a Patriots go. game. That's hey, very true as well. Hey, WWE, let's find the douchiest NFL player around and try yeah. to ride his back on the sports center. Yeah, that works. Oh, come on. There's got to be one or two. I don't even follow football, but there's got to be one or two. 
douchier than I'm Gronk. a Patriots guy, and there's not many more. <laughs> I don't know if there's many more human beings douchier than him. Wow. That's it. Uh, well, you know, maybe we can go to another sport. Maybe the Laval family uh, or the, the ball uh, family, pardon me, uh, is, is uh, free to do more segments, you know? Um, oh, God. Still, still trying to get over that whole thing uh, from Monday Night Raw two weeks ago. What, what did you think of that, Dennis? I liked it. Uh, <laughs> here, I did. Hear, hear me out. Um, I don't like the family, but – and I didn't – I'm not the originator of this thought, but I bought in. And if you're even a little bit of a basketball fan or you've seen what, what Papa Ball has been doing, he's been doing WWE better than WWE has been doing it the last couple months. So it only made sense to throw him on. Uh, you know, it went a little bit haywire. Uh I thought it was entertaining and it turned two douchey people into somewhat of an entertaining segment. If you could get past a few of the, the low spots in it. Mm. Well, uh, speaking of douchey people last night, the Carmella Bration last night <laughs> with uh, Carmella and James Ellsworth, James Ellsworth being fined $10,000 suspended for 30 days without pay. And if he's uh, 90% of his salary, guys, 90% of his salary. Yeah. <laughs> and why, why, it's a bad, it's a bad scene in storyline when everyone's question in the show and on talking smack is does James Ellsworth have $10,000? <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> really bad in kayfabe. If that's the first thing everybody asks for how they're writing the character. But uh, yeah, if he violates these rules, Carmela gives up the contract. Um, so we had that last night. What do you think this means? Chris, uh, no Ellsworth on TV for, 30 days or you think he's going to, you know, show up in a, in a, in a sporting like a bandito mustache, you know, in like a terrible disguise. I would go option B um, just for entertainment's sake, because you have to give the guy a little bit of credit. He went from complete jobber to being so over that he got three matches with AJ Styles to now sort of maybe landing in his little niche, his little niche, you might say as a, an annoying heel manager. And actually doing a pretty decent job at it, I think. Um, it's given Carmella a little new life, even though Carmella has proved the last few weeks that she can hold her own on the microphone too. But um, just for entertainment value, I, I don't think they're going to completely write off Ellsworth over the next 30 days. How about you, Dennis? I hope he shows up. Uh, I would love to see the Carmella having to give the briefcase angle up after the first you know, historically he's ladder match. But what they're doing with the briefcase right now is pretty interesting, whether you like it or not. The, the fact that her reign of having this briefcase will be in turmoil basically until she gives it up and that they're finding new ways to kind of keep both these guys on the naughty list, on, on Daniel Bryan's naughty list. And I don't know. I, I would – I would not be shocked to see this whole blow off end up with Daniel Bryan in some kind of physical altercation with James Ellsworth. It seems like it's going towards that. If this is what brings Daniel Bryan back in the ring, that's just Vince McMahon <laughs> just punishing the internet wrestling community. Just like <laughs> now to me, they sort of dropped the whole Becky Lynch angle with this. Um, I, mm -hmm. I thought they would go more with that. And if they were going to have, a match with Ellsworth. I thought it would be with Becky Lynch and it could actually probably be kind of fun. Um, but it kind of astounded me that they completely seemed to drop that this week. Yeah. Weird that Becky was a no show last night, uh, that we didn't see half the roster. Um, it's very strange. 
Very strange indeed. Uh, speaking of which, Dennis, how, how's Lana's uh, return to the ring working out for? <laughs> Here See, we go. You know what? This, this is my big rant. Uh, you know, when she first came back, I threw out a tweet that said, uh-oh, here comes the burying of Lana. And I probably have had more tweets from people saying, I'm an idiot. They're not burying Lana. What are you talking about? And where are we now in less than a month? She's had two title shots put together, still lasted shorter than CM Punk's MMA debut, which is not – yeah. I mean, if you look at the time on them both, this is a from, – from the outset, from when she showed up and they shushed her away like she was nothing for the ladder match, she comes out and weakenly sweeps Naomi's leg, and Naomi has to basically beg to have a match. They buried her from the outset. It just didn't make sense. Oh, man. Um, it still doesn't. I, it's a burying. Doesn't, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't make sense for them to build her up to that extent with the promos and everything, give her a brand-new gimmick. Um, she had the very first match was a competitive match, but the last two were 30-second squashes, 30-second squashes. One by pinfall, technically, even though the shoulder was up, that made the third match, but now a very clear submission, tap out. Um but then you had sort of the fallout after the match where Tamina comes out and almost like I choose you, Lana, to be under my wing and, you know, gets up, takes them back. Uh, but to me, is that sort of a reset for Lana? Do we get almost like a reboot within the first month to where Tamina can be the muscle, Lana can be the mouthpiece, and they can just work together? And, hey, it gets them both on TV for a while. It's a solid gimmick, you know, I'd, I'd watch that, but it was a strange moment. The way Tamina came out, I was like, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, come on, yeah. you're good. Yeah, it was, that was a weird uh, moment. Yeah. I Listen, guys, I'll be honest. I was excited for Lana with the promos. They built it up. And oh. then I was even, I was even kind of excited for, for the first match. And it just went downhill and, I don't know. If I had to compare it, it'd be almost like if James Ellsworth and Paul Heyman had a baby, it'd be Lana right now because you just don't know. She's getting beat up left and right, but she's a great talker. So, uh, you know, maybe this in-ring competitive thing should end pretty quick and she should go back to managing Rusev and Tamina. Mm, maybe. It was an odd, odd uh, end to the saga. But... Not quite as odd as what Baron Corbin was wearing backstage last night when he attacked Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, if you haven't watched it, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, it's not polka dots. There apparently are patterns there. I'm wondering if he was dressed up maybe at a family barbecue, had to kind of look respectable or something on the 4th. But uh, look, Baron and Nakamura, I think we've all seen that coming. They built that up. It was interesting last night that that was the placeholder. That was the tease to have Baron attacking him backstage. Uh, but yeah, talk about out of character with how he was dressed. We have not seen that side of him before. Yeah, uh, not, not quite as leathery last night. <laughs> I mean, it just, it was just odd. It was just like, what is Baron Corbin wearing now that I wanted to give fashion advice, but I mean, he's, uh, he's got a shtick man. And that was not in his wardrobe for his character. Um, Dennis, what do you think about Nakamura versus Corbin? Are you excited to see that develop into something? You know, as much as anything on SmackDown right now, I think it could be great. I think if this was on Raw, it might have been the second to last segment of the night. Uh, it has that kind of buildup to it. 
unfortunately it's on the small smackdown show so it smells it feels smaller than it should because i think you have nakamura who has had some good matches he's not wildest as of late uh you have a guy like with baron corbin who they're trying to convince us could be a contender even with this briefcase who has not quite lived up to what he's been i think this could be battle of you know who's who's going to go over in the future because both these guys have been guys that have been all right have not been mvps or wilder socks as often now they put them both together hopefully they can catch you know lightning in a bottle and and propel them both in the future programs yeah shinsuke might have to hop up a little extra high to hit kinsasha on uh baron he's a tall man so yep but hey for me guys this you know, Corbin has held his own in the last couple of feuds in the ring, especially he had some really good matches with AJ Styles. Um, and even the, the Ziggler feud that he had a few months ago was pretty good. Um, I, th- I think this is another step up for Corbin to work with Nakamura. Um, so he's kind of going to get the rub as the heel here. Um, working Just working with Nakamura, that pretty much oh, yeah. puts you on a second level. Um, but Nakamura has been sort of just softballing in a little bit for me on the main roster. So... I hope um, we get a little, little bit more physical, a little bit more focused Nakamura in this one. Um, but I don't see why the match couldn't be pretty good. Baron is on my most improved list. I mean, I think, you know, I've been saying this the last couple of months, he looks like he belongs there now. For a long time, he looked like, you know, not a kid, but he looked like he was sort of, you know, a boy amongst men. And now he's holding his own. So I think uh, Shinsuke, you know, more power to him. This could be good. It's just... Uh, Man, when you're at a feud and Corbin's the one that's got to do all the talking, like, I don't know. I'm a little, <laughs> a little worried about that. Well, that was, that was my fear last night. I was like, oh, my God, they have an interviewer and Shinsuke Nakamura again. Have they not learned their lesson? And then, thank goodness, out of left field, here comes Baron Corbin with the attack. I'm like, oh, for once in my life, I am super glad to see this. Yeah. Uh, um, so in a moment, we're going to talk about the rap battle from last night, what many are calling the high point of last night's SmackDown. Uh, but first, want to take a moment, give some love to the sponsor of this episode, Dollar Shave Club. Get high-quality blades and amazing shave butter delivered right to your door for an incredible smooth shave. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice, people. Get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's an awesome life hack and a no-brainer. You don't have to schlep to the store to get those cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave, cut your face up, or spend a fortune with those gimmicky shaving tech razors that you clearly do not need. I'm telling you, when I clean up my beard, I use my Dollar Shave Club executive razor with the dr carver's shave butter and the blade just gently glides giving me such a smooth shave before to talk about it raj geary mr babyface himself who's uh, off doing top guy stuff this week he's talked about the great shave that he gets using dr carver's shave butter you've heard me talk about it i love it because when cleaning up my beard i can see through the shave butter exactly what i'm shaving it's not like that lathery foam where i'm just shaving in the dark and next thing you know the beard is gone and i'm down to a mustache then down to just a little van dyke there at the end because i took so much of it off no with Dr. Carver's shave butter, I can see exactly what I'm doing. That blade gives me such a smooth shave, and I absolutely love it. You, too, can make the smarter choice. 
and switch over to Dollar Shave Club. And again, you're going to get that shave butter, which is great because it gives you that precise shave and helps prevent ingrown hairs and fights razor bumps. So for a limited time, new members can get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5, and that includes free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. And in your first monthly box, you get an awesome weighted handle, full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of the aforementioned Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price, and there are no hidden fees, no commitments. Cancel anytime you like, but you can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash INC. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash INC, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, quick question, guys. Let's let's go back for just like a half second. The yeah. the glowing women's title. Oh, yes. Like or dislike? I'm thinking they're going to keep that belt on her for a while longer. The effects department doesn't put in that kind of work only for her to drop the title. Dennis? I feel like the same people who hated John Cena's spinner belt is going to hate this. If you like the Cena spinner belt, you'll like the glow. I, I like it only because it shows character. I like the John Cena spinner belt because it, it kind of it, – it, customize that title to the person that holds it so i'm always kind of a fan of it's especially back with let's say uh ultimate warrior when he had the different color straps for the intercontinental championship belt i really pop for that and this is kind of what it feels like to me the john cena spinner belt now that was actually believe it or not part of what got me back paying attention to wrestling in that era and here's why the spinner belt sent a message that this was not the champ you were used to in the WWE. At the time, it was still very current. It was very now. And you have to remember, it was at a time when Hogan had been back around. Flair had been back around. Piper had been back around. You had the WWE, it felt like post uh, Stone Cold and The Rock, feeling like almost it was under, it was almost buckling under the weight of its legacy. So to have mm -hmm. a guy that, you know, was doing his own rap, entrance music who was releasing albums and that was claiming the title and really putting his own touch on it like that i think really sent a message for the wwe and it's not to put it in you know this great grand historical context but part of what i loved about it was it said that we're doing something different now with the glowing belt i don't think it's nearly as profound of a statement but i think that it's cool they're letting her customize it and i think maybe maybe she's going to be the face of uh smackdown women's division for a little bit longer I'm okay yeah. as long as I keep it on her for a while. Yeah, I don't think they're going to put this much work into it to have her drop it anytime soon. So uh, did a little Twitter poll last night on that same question, and most everybody seemed to be really positive about it. So um, uh, I think everybody sort of has the same feelings as you, Dennis. If uh, the, It gives the, that personality of the person who's holding it. Um, mm -hmm. it. It gives it a personal touch, and uh, you can relate the title to the person rather than vice versa. It's, just, it's the age-old question, does the title make the man or does the man make the title? Well, in this case, in this it case. looks like Naomi literally made that title. So. Very true. <laughs> seven light, uh, apparently seven lighting um, stage areas on the title, according to Naomi on Talking Smack, yeah, and everyone, looking to add more. Everyone in the chat likes it, and as uh, Kirk Schindler in the chat points out, they're going to sell a load of those glowing belts on the WWE shop when they go on sale. Mm -hmm. So... You know, WWE never wanted to sleep on a merch opportunity. Um, last night, I got to say, people, I was wrong. Last week, I said, oh, Usos versus the New Day in a rap battle. This is going to be good. 
And uh, lo and behold, it was. I thought it was pretty good last night. Uh, I mean, not the best thing I've seen on SmackDown Live, but this this could have just been painful and bad and terrible. My expectations were so low for this. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Dennis, what did you think of uh, the Usos and the New Day trading rhymes moderated by Wale last night? I was scared because, boy, the Usos have been pretty hot on that mic for the last two months. And I really thought, and I was as great as New Day can be on the mic, sometimes their shtick gets old quick. And I was worried that this is going to be very one-sided and uh, some cracks would begin to show and maybe the New Day characters. But they did a very good job of taking a segment that a lot of us probably were not very interested in, like a, a rap battle really. Uh, can, can you do something else with them? And it made it kind of enjoyable, kind of, as, as far as I'll go. I was I was moderately entertained. Okay. Uh, Glowing two, recommendation, yeah, Chris? Uh, two things for me. When you have celebrity guests, a lot of times you can tell whether or not they are WWE fans. Okay. While they came in here with a Wolfpack shirt on, that's pl- plus one for him. Um, and then you could tell that he was in his element up there in the ring. He moderated it very well. Uh, you could tell he knew what the product was. And when you have a celebrity that knows what they're doing, they know the product, they know the guys, it makes that segment a lot better. Um, I like that the, each team had their own little crew with them. I thought that was a a neat little, um, addition. Um, and you know what? I think the Usos may have laid the old SmackDown on, on uh, New Day. Uh, as far as material goes, uh, now New Day got a few shots in, but the one about the aforementioned video footage evidence with Xavier Woods was mentioned, and I said, call the fight. Those guys have families, darn it. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that... Uh, what was that shot? Okay, a that little joke was edited out of the YouTube version of of that. So apparently mm-hmm. it was not approved beforehand, but it got the biggest pop of the night, and it also this whole segment got more Twitter interaction with me than the Joe and Brock Lesnar segment. If that tells you anything, do you think Vince that was Vince's idea, or do you think Vince blessed that? I don't think New Day would have gone off script and just dropped that on their own last night. Um, well, that, that would have been the Usos dropping it on Xavier there on, on that particular one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it was approved because they did delete it out of the YouTube video. The Roman Reigns shot, so you wouldn't think that would have been approved either if they want to make Roman Reigns this this golden child. And obviously we know their family and whatnot, but ugh, it, there were some there were some good, uh, good shots thrown. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I mean a lot more than I thought I was going to. I'm, I'm going to guess the conversation backstage is, all right, guys, you go out there and make this entertaining. Nothing's off limits. Have some fun with it. And uh, the Usos probably took that as in, oh, it's on now. We're going to fit this in somewhere. When they probably thought that, you know, so I'm going to guess maybe a misinterpretation of the rules in order to fit that in <laughs> without punishment. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, it was it was a pro wrestling finish because the Usos broke the rules by making contact with New Day and then Wale threw the match out. But 
So, I mean, you still had elements of pro wrestling in the segment, but overall I thought it was super entertaining. It's good. But, yeah, you can tell, man, there's something about that. When you get someone like Wale that clearly is comfortable on the mic, comfortable in front of a crowd, knows the product. I mean, if only every celebrity guest star was that good on WWE programming, you know? Nope. Yeah, I can't wait for Summerfest. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Memories. Mr. Jeremy Pivens. Yeah, hey, Jeremy Piven was like the high bar compared to some of the people that we've had. I know. I mean, I I remember that episode clearly. Like, Jeremy Piven got really involved in that episode. Like, a Hugh Jackman level of involvement in his episode. Um, Thank God they don't do that crap anymore. Uh, At least not on that level. Um, So, Randy Orton versus Aiden English. Uh, Speaking of uh, burials, what's up with Aiden English, man? Like, this is just... Oh. This this was genius. It's who's the absolute opposite of a rap battle, an operatic Aiden English. I thought that was genius booking to me. It's just the little things that pop me like that. It's just it seems very smart writing that they would put him out there. But before, like they did the split screen, right? English was on top during the split screen ninety percent of the time. Orton didn't get his shots in until um, until after the commercial break was over. So th- they made it about three minutes longer than I thought they were going to. Yeah. And English actually got the win technically via disqualification. Yeah. It's just, I think I, I could have done without this. This didn't really help either one of these guys progress in anything. Uh, it, it, I would have been more all right if they had, uh, you know, you did what they did last week where Aiden was out about the same you know, Randy comes out, RK's owes him, pull, you know, pushes him out. It maybe brings Aiden and English in a little bit into this Jinder Mahal storyline to prolong it a little bit more. But, you know, to me, that was just a waste of time. Didn't progress anything. It wasn't horrible. Wasn't great. And let's be honest, right now, I'm just, I'm just biding my time until they usher Randy Orton out and put him in a different storyline, a different part of the show and elevate someone else that deserves to be in a main event. Because Randy Orton right now is like watching paint dry for me. It, he really is. It's just not that exciting. Well, And then they follow that up with Jinder Mahal, where if you weren't paying close attention, were they just running video from last week or the week before or two weeks ago? I mean, Jinder came out and said the exact same thing in the exact same cadence, in the exact same way. I mean, why? Like, and they and they – kind of put over the Punjabi prison match for battleground, but I don't feel like, Oh my God, the anticipation is crazy. This is like the antithesis of Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar in terms of how you hype something. Yeah. But, but to me, I mean, this is sort of, they don't really trust gender behind the live microphone yet. So I think they give him limited material. I think this is actually on purpose. Um, Whether it's smart or not, I think it's on purpose to, to hide his flaws on the microphone because he's just not quite there yet. Um, but Randy Orton has actually seemed a little bit more enthused the past few weeks than I think he has in a few years because he's out there actually yelling. He's getting the crowd hyped. He's just not going through the motions. And my coolest thing about this whole whole ordeal is now Orton has made the um, toss to the table like he did to the Singh brothers, a weekly thing because he did it to English this week too. Hmm. Can I, can I just say, and this is just my opinion, I think that WWE missed a golden opportunity 
when they started with the Singh brothers putting their hands on Randy Orton's dad and then kind of doing the same things to Randy that he used to do. And they even kind of mentioned, hey, you used to do this stuff. And even Randy was like, oh, that, that used to be me. I really feel like if you were to drop the you hate me because I'm a foreigner and go with the I'm punishing you for your past sins and I'm going to do everything to you that you've done, kick family members and blah, blah, blah. Take take Ginger to a different atmosphere of a heel level that he is right now. Now he's whiny. Vengeance and, and raining hell down on you would be something different and great, I think. Hmm. I, just, I think with Ginger, they could do something that's, that really that's spice it? this up. That's all I get, Glenn. <laughs> it's up. good. Come on. Come on. Be, look, anything to change this up with Randy would be welcome. Anything. <laughs> anything at all but I, I don't think people are looking to this for nuance i don't i don't think i mean junior could come out there and be like guys i'm from canada i drive a ford people call me raj <laughs> you know he could just be out there and be like but you you see me and you have all these stereotypes junior could come out there and give the most nuanced promo and people would just be like, boo usa usa i mean it's just it's a lost it's a lost effort at this point i think with because they've they built it up so much it, you're wasting it once. You only have one time with this you hate me because I'm a foreigner thing. Yeah. And you're blowing it on his very first title run against Randy Orton where you don't even really need to push that at all. And they used it with uh, Rusev just about 90 minutes before Mahal's yeah. promo. <laughs> yeah. So, <sighs> so uh, on a kinder note, Ty Dillinger backstage being interviewed by uh, Tanae Young. <laughs> This, uh, I went, I went the full spectrum on this one through, oh my God, they're really not doing this to the end. Like, oh my God, that was brilliant. Um, Chris, what did you think of, of uh, Brazongo, man? Just uh, taking it to new levels. Oh my God, man. These guys, I love them so much. Uh, I didn't realize the construction guy was Fandango until yeah. like halfway through. And then he, he slipped over and <laughs> saw the mustache. I'm like, dang it, they got me. Uh, because Ty kept looking behind him and. Uh, Fandango kept just uh, coming a little bit closer each time, but man, these guys can play off any sort of simple comedy and make it into absolute genius. Uh, I love this sort of slapstick type of stuff. Um, it, it, it's when it's done well. You've seen WWE try it with different people, and it's falling completely flat. These guys, I mean, they they do so well with what they're given. And heck, I even think they probably write half the stuff that they do. Yeah. No, I mean, look, they're putting their efforts here as opposed to in the ring. And I think uh, normally that's a real gamble. But with these guys, it's paying off. Um, they're creative. They're willing to take risks. I mean, how many other performers would do, you know, short of gold dust, how many other performers would do what, what Tyler has been willing to do with, uh, you know, putting on a dress and a wig and going out there and just owning it? You know? If he keeps going, he's going to go through in the entire women's division. He's got uh, Bella and Renee Young, and uh, who's next? We'll see. Yeah, Santino and Perry Saturn were the you know, let's those okay. might have been That's the good. only two I can remember off the top of my head. But you, you know, Glenn, we talk about this on every podcast. And, you know, they they walk a fine line every week that this could either get really boring and really over the top really quick 
And they walk that fine line every week. And I, I keep waiting for it to happen. And they're doing different things with the same story and the same characters that they're given to keep it, keep it fresh really. And boy, I, I'd like to see this pay off in a title run somehow or, or, or something else, but is it's keeping me entertained and it works perfect. I don't think it would work this good on raw. I think raw has too big show feel for it and it works perfect on SmackDown. Yeah. And I think it's them. I think it's the WWE for a change, really giving them some latitude and freedom to do these things and try some stuff. Uh, this isn't like Sandow where they just, you know, pulled the rug out from under him and took him off TV. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I'd even go further. I would say that uh, if, if the WWE, and I don't think they would do this, but if they did future endeavor, these guys, I think that they could bring this over, you know, a similar stick over to, or just even the similar attitude over to global force wrestling and probably boost their ratings quite a bit you know, to mm-hmm. give them some creativity and runway. Because I think there's something about having a duo that just creates more of that energy and that kinetic, you know, feeling about these segments. Um, but I think it's great. Uh, they followed, so it was weird that they kind of followed up with two comedy things back to back. By the way, uh, Ty Dillinger, good to see him getting some screen time playing the straight man in this last night. But um, the Canellas, the Canellases. Have we figured that out yet, guys? What is the multiple <laughs> version of a Canellus? That's like the Canelli, you know. Okay, there you go. Um, but yeah. uh, no, uh, they were backstage camera, that weird production there last night. With, yeah, that, uh, that was weird. And they played it off so well in, on Talking Smack, for those who watched it. It was our power of love, or somebody, it might have been Renee, that said that their power of love just knocked out the camera's power. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> I mean, they kept talking through it, so kudos to them for keeping the segment going. But, uh, you know, camera guy needed to get back there um, ASAP. Yeah, and then it turned into a little uh, showcase for Sami Zayn, putting over Huey Lewis and the news, um, setting up what's probably going to be what? You think Mike and Sami at Battleground? That, that's a pre-show match if I've ever heard one. Yeah, probably so. They've got to introduce Mike to, um, to the main audience. So a pre-show, a lot of people that don't pay for the network are going to watch that. So, um how many times do we think that Sami Zayn is going to get beaten by Mike Kanellis? Ooh, tough one. You know, I could see it happening though, but I like how they're setting him up in these segments. I think it's good. I mean, cl- clearly, I know we talk about Sami Zayn a lot and we get into it. It wouldn't be anything because our host is, is Glenn Rubenstein, but. I really like Sami Zayn. <laughs> Did you guys watch the, the Kevin Owens uh, DVD preview on the network? I have no, not gotten to that yet. It's very good because the clips they showed, it might as well be a Sami Zayn DVD for, you know, mm. all the, all the indie stuff they're talking about there. But look, I mean, they're kind of putting him in that position now. I know, I know Matt Morgan doesn't like the term jobber, but he's Sammy's kind of becoming the jobber to the stars guy. You know, I mean, we saw in the battle Royal last night. We'll call him a gate gatekeeper. We'll call a him a gatekeeper. But you know what I mean? Like he's a guy they believe in. He, I mean, how many times have we seen that he's, not the last man standing, but the second to last man standing. He's the one that's the credible wrestler who they put in these scenarios. He's not the top guy, but he's the guy that's there to round it out and make the top guy look credible. And he so, sells like a million bucks. So he'll make anybody that he's with look like a million bucks. You know what? If I didn't hear the first eight seconds of this conversation, I would have said, oh, you guys are talking about Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> oh. That's who he is. He's the new generation Dolph Ziggler. 
He's got Ooh. the skill. He's got the talent. He oversells a little bit too much, which makes his opponent look great and not so much him. If but you know he can, he's still young enough to break out of this. He's about to get typecast, and I'm scared for Sami Zayn. I guys, this this is has Dolph Ziggler career written all over it. You can grant that he was a former champion, but for like nine minutes, uh, you I'm know, not quite there yet. He's not feuding with Sin Cara. I mean, come on, let's. He's let's be getting there. This is this. We're looking right into his future. He can change it. Tone it down. Don't sell so much. Uh, I'm not saying you know. Don't don't sell at all, but don't oversell a kick or a punch to the head like Dolph Ziggler does. I don't think that's what's holding Sami Zayn back. If someone's someone's telling him to tone it down backstage, it's like, Sammy, could you just come across a little less Jewish? Just a little, (laughs) just a tad. (laughs) Like, dude, you're from you're from Montreal. I know Seinfeld's your favorite show, man, but come on, just take it down a notch. You know? But uh, the neurotic innocent. Yeah, but the neurotic innocent Sammy. I mean, it just draws you right to him. Is it going to win him world title? No. Uh, they're not going to have that type of personality, that type of character, win a world championship. But is it going to pigeonhole him, like you said, as a gatekeeper, as a fun character that people can gravitate to? Yes. I mean, he's, there's a ceiling to it, but it's it's fun nonetheless. I'd like to see him become like a Cody Rhodes where he had the mask on and he kind of had that little bit of instability about him. If you guys remember, was it seven years ago or something like that? Uh, maybe that kind of character where he goes from being just a little neurotic to being paranoid and a little crazy could make Sami Zayn a good-looking hill here. I think what they're going to do, it's it's similar to how it was with Bailey in NXT for before she won the title. I think with Sami, they'll, they'll keep him at this level and then they'll do one good run where they put the belt on him uh, because that will be a good story. The, to have him mm-hmm. have that come up and some that triumph. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're using him right now like high-level enhancement talent. And I think that's that's working to a degree. He has his fans. He clearly has his fan base. But what's interesting, and I uh, encourage everyone to get the Kevin Owens DVD if you can, although I don't know if you guys saw this, the reports that it's sold out. The Kevin Owens DVD, like you can't get it on Amazon. They're telling you it's going to be wow. two weeks. Nice. A lot of stores anecdotally or so that. Now it might be because, again, they might have thought they weren't going to sell very many. Um, and didn't. <laughs> print up enough of it but i encourage people to watch it because what's so interesting to me is you watch it and um you go okay the whole thing is people being like oh owens that'll never work in the wwe and then boom he was the first you know the the first universal champion to have a run technically the second universal champion but they did put him at the top of the company it's interesting to see that he overcame all that to get there and then with Sami Zayn, it's people look at him and it's, it's the opposite. It's like everyone thinks he can go. He has all the parts. I mean, in NXT, it worked out very well for him. But now in the main roster, it's like, no, just doesn't have that it factor. Maybe it's that confidence, you know? I think what yeah. we're getting away here is how bad Mike Kanellis is. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing there. This is horrible. Uh, you, this uh, Maria, thing, Maria's, I, Maria's still there. She's got a personality. And she, well, I'm talking smack too, but... Mike was just kind of regurgitating the bullet points, and he just seems somewhat lost to me. Uh, I agree. It was it was every week. It gets worse and worse. I am not. I, I cannot wait until he's off my television screen. And I didn't mind him in Impact. I thought he was actually pretty good in Impact. And here, it's just whatever they're doing with this power of love thing. 
it's it's like a rehashed version of Brother Love, and I don't want anything to do with it. Bad. It's a bad gimmick. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the Battle Royal last night. Yes. To get that contender. Um, so Sami Zayn versus Connor versus Victor versus Sin Cara versus Epico versus AJ Styles versus Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler, Ty Dillinger, Eric Rowan, Jason Jordan, Mojo Raleigh, Zack Ryder, Tyler Breeze, and Fandango. Was there any other credible choice? I mean, really, aside from AJ Styles winning this? No, but... But you had, the, you had the correct final three um, because yeah. you had Sammy there as, like you said, the credible guy who's won a lot and very popular. You had Ty Dillinger, the up-and-comer that's been off TV for a while, um, and, you know, who's still super over, if, if you were listening. And, you know, Styles, we never thought after that first um, – we never thought after that first match with Styles um, that Owens and Styles had – that that was going to be it. So I think it was, it was a smart move to go ahead and, and book another match between those two. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like since it just happened, it is weird that they're doing it again, but I'm sure it'll be a great match. Dennis, what'd you think? Yeah, there was no mystery here who was going to win this. Let's be honest. We, we sat back and we said, all right, it's just a matter of getting to AJ Styles. And uh, they got to AJ. He won it. No surprise whatsoever. Yeah. But a couple more highlights. You know, you had the Mojo turn um, on Ryder. So that was, yeah. uh, we had that. And then um, we had basically Fandango and Breeze as the new Kofi Kingston save uh, for Battle Royals, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chris Reload. Uh, the audience is saying your audio is garbled as well. So well, let's talk about that, Dennis. While Chris reloads, uh, the hype pros. That's good. Maybe no more after what we saw last night. Do you think that's just a blip in the road? Do you think they're going to reconcile? What lays ahead for these two crazy, you know, crazy kids? I think for the tag team division, they need to keep them around. It's a weak division to begin with. You have American Alpha that can't even make it to TV in a tag team capacity. Uh, I, you know, even if you kept them around as, as just another Brizango, I'd be okay with that. But unfortunately, you're going to split them up and throw them into a pool of mid-tier wrestlers that they, they would do more as a tag team right now. Yeah. The, I feel like the mid-tier is very crowded on SmackDown Live. It is. And, you, you know, it, why are we recycling something that they're doing right now on Raw with Enzo and Cash. If you're going to split them up, at least wait until this is over, you know, before you give me the same storyline on at the same time on a different show. Yeah. At least give uh, Enzo his own Miztourage, as it were, if you're going to uh, shuttle him out of a gimmick because it's too similar to something on uh, SmackDown Live. Uh, but no, I thought the right guys were there at the end with Ty, Sammy, and AJ. And that's kind of what I mean. I think, you know, with Sammy, they're booking him as the also-ran right now because he's very credible in that role. He comes across as the guy that, I don't know if you had it last night, but, you know, you think for a second, oh, maybe they're actually going to let Sammy win this one. It's kind of like they've done now the last four times he's been in this situation. You think, oh, maybe he's going to. And no, he's not. Of course he's not. It's Sammy Zayn. And, um, and the same thing with Ty. You know, I yeah. really thought, 
They in when they first started with the land of opportunity and gave gender a chance, you and I both said on one of the podcasts, they need to give gender a lengthy title run for us to really believe that anything can happen on SmackDown Live. And they've really started to foster this feeling of could I have won this? Oh my gosh. So I've got to give them kudos that that they're at least starting to make us believe that anything can happen on the show. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, Charlie Brown should thank Lucy for saying, hey, you really made me believe for a second that I was going to be able to kick that football before you pulled it away from me. Right. <laughs> That's the key. You got to sell it. Um, so, yeah, I think AJ versus Owens is going to be great. I just uh, I worry about these repetitive feuds, though, you know, carrying us through multiple pay-per-views with seeing the same guys together. And it wouldn't be such a big deal, except the way you're alternating it now. And so it's not like we're going, oh, hey, two or three months with the same guys together. Now it's like five or six months to go over the course of three pay-per-view feuds. Um, I don't think this will be done before SummerSlam. I think it's going to, you know, I don't think we're going to, I mean, do you think we're going to AJ versus Nakamura for SummerSlam? Or do you think they're going to let Owens and, and uh, AJ drag out all the way? Here's here's where I disagree. I love the old school storyline that that lasts six to eight months. And whether you, they do it right or not, at least they're fostering something like that. The problem here, here's my complaint. The problem with the WWE now, even opposed to back in the Attitude Era, is you don't remember a lot of these storylines. People go through two, maybe even three storylines a month now. And you don't really have time to digest it and, and appreciate it for what it was. At least back in the Attitude Era and maybe you know, shortly after that when they were still doing six-month storylines, you really got to savor, explore, and, and it, it, you'll always remember you know, The Rock and Stone Cold, even though it was you know, not that long of a storyline. Mm-hmm. It was great. And they need to foster that again where – uh, unfortunately, I'm sad that they're wasting Owens and AJ on the U.S. title, but I think this could have been a great storyline that lasts all summer long into SummerSlam or WrestleMania even. I'm going to say this. Tell me what you guys think of this. I think 75% of professional wrestling storytelling, not the matches themselves, right? But the feuds of the story, 75% works really, really well when you look at it in hindsight as an edited together compilation clip. Of saying like where you watch something like the Monday Night Wars, you watch a retrospective. Seventy-five percent of it works really well in that context because you're seeing the beats, you're seeing the high points. Um, but where it doesn't work is week to week when you're trying to tune in each week and really feel like you're getting it paid off. You're getting new wrinkles, new layers, new elements that are taking you through the journey. I think about twenty-five percent of wrestling works on a week to week basis for the stories, but I feel like. When you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it makes sense. Week to week, I think it can get a little tedious. Chris? What do you think? Go, oh, Chris is muted. Oh, uh, I'll say this. I kind of disagree with you that that number is way too low. I would, I would give you 50-50, depending on the storylines and how long it lasts and who, who is you know, behind the storylines. Uh, you know, there, there, you look back at the attitude era, and not all those storylines were great. No, you could probably point out 15, 20 storylines that will really stick in your memory bank as what drives that attitude error. I think now, if, if I were to say, uh, YouTube, 
give me your five favorite storylines over the last five years, you couldn't really pick one out. You'd have to think about it because there's just so many that hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you. So I was say the last five years, I was going to say you're really digging from a shallow well there. Yeah. But but it's it's that you don't have that time to cultivate it. And sure, hindsight is is phenomenal where you can look back and see a year long storyline in 15 minutes because, you know, over six months storyline, there are going to be some bad segments and great segments. But at least they were taking chances and doing different things. And some of them may not have been great, but it wasn't. You know, you had one bad segment. Let's take a look at Alexa Bliss and Bailey. That whole rivalry was summed up into one bad this is your life segment, and that's what we'll always remember from it because, you know, that that storyline was so hit hit and move on. Hmm. See, well, I say to take the flip side of it because I went back and was like, I'm going to rewatch some of the Attitude Era. I have fond memories of this. After watching the Monday Night Wars, I'm going to go back, watch that episode where DX debuted. And I went back and started watching it and was like, oh, well, all those parts they showed the clips from absolutely were great, some great punchlines, some great moments. And the rest of it was kind of like, well, this is really aged in an uncomfortable way. Um, you know, and I feel that way every time I go back and revisit some of those episodes is that when you look at it on a, on a pure, you know, microscopic level, it doesn't work as well. But when you look at it in the big picture, it all comes together and coalesces nicely. But when you were watching it live, you didn't go, this was the worst episode ever. When you go back and you see what they've done, you know, maybe it doesn't stand the test of time, but will always be your favorite because you were watching it back then. I was live. flipping back through channels, man. I had two VHS tapes uh, that I was trying to fast forward through to get through everything on a Monday night, you know? Glenn, you're, you're turning <laughs> into Eeyore here. Ah, uh, <laughs> come on. Oh, man. Yeah, no, but there's part of that too. You know, what's funny, we had that before on the podcast. What was it when Matt Morgan was talking about that? And he was like, I thought it was okay. And I was like, what about this? He's like, oh, I fast forwarded through that because he's watching a little bit of a time delay. Yeah. There is something to be said. Like when you sit there and painstakingly watch, and I underline the word pain, when you painstakingly watch every segment and every moment, it can be quite painful at times, not having that ability to skip ahead based on something you're not feeling. You know, and I think we were forced to remember a lot of things because we didn't, you know, wrestling back in the day really was appointment viewing, if you really think about it. Uh, you know, you you had to pick between WWE or WCW, WWF. You couldn't really watch both unless you taped them. But there were a lot of households, if you really think about back in the day, really had to make a decision. Am I going to be a WWF household or a WCW household? Yep, I, I was a WCW guy. Hopefully, I'm I'm back, guys. So if you can, hopefully yeah. you can hear me, good deal. Uh, fantastic. But uh, Glenn, back to your point, WWE production bullet point type of video packages make those feuds seem awesome. Oh, because yeah. because that is one of the best things that WWE does. But like you said, the week to week thing, uh, it, there's always a little plot hole here and there. Um, there's like, wait a minute, this happened last week. Why would this happen this week? Uh, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, the, the video production crew can make, you know, anything seem legitimate uh, if they give it a good enough try. Yeah. No, and that's, the, that, and that's what I'm saying is that, you know, they're still thinking about this in a pay-per-view mentality and the idea that these are the big events. These are the things we're building towards. And so baby way to put a point on this is that with what Chris just said, 
they look at it as saying like, yeah, you're going to do this. And yeah, you're going to do that. And yeah, this might not work. But as long as you get this one line in, we got our video package at the pay-per-view to recap mm-hmm. it, hitting all those strong beats, you know? So I do think on a, on a level, we are paying greater attention uh, than the more casuals, but the casuals seem to be the ones that are, that are leaving in droves. So is it time that they start rewarding the more hardcore audiences? I don't think their booking suggests that or else John Cena would not be a free agent if this was all about the hardcore fans at this point. Uh, that being said, Dennis, what was better this week, Raw or SmackDown? SmackDown. I'll give it to SmackDown this week. I mean, Raw really only has two things I'm kind of caring about right now. Sadly, the Enzo Amore thing is one of them, and the Samoa Joe is by far the best thing going on on both shows, but it's not enough to make me say Raw is better than SmackDown this week. Chris, how about you? This is one week that I actually think is kind of a toss-up. Um, and the only reason I'll give SmackDown the minor benefit is because it's two hours instead of three. There was a lot less filler. Um, everything seemed to mean at least a little something. Um, and even the, the filler, like the comedy, uh, was spot on. So I give uh, SmackDown the slight edge this week. I'm, I'm going to go against and say Raw was better, uh, specifically for the matches. I mean, we had Jinder versus Apollo Crews, somehow that turned into or not gender pardon me uh gender braun versus apollo cruz i think uh braun managed to turn that into something special um we had uh neville just looking amazing and uh on top of that you know we had more from smojo and uh brock lesnar so i don't know i thought there was some uh really good stuff on raw this week i thought that they even though for a three-hour show i thought it just had some more memorable moments smackdown i liked some of the storytelling last night but i don't think there was enough focus on the in-ring action to really make that pop in comparison to what raw did uh talking smack last night did you guys watch it i, I did. didn't oh uh, more from the canelli uh they came out gave more of their <sighs> so if you want to know more what's going on there they really laid it all out for you um with that happening uh daniel bryan explaining why sweet beats was not with the usos last night in the freestyle rap battle <laughs> And uh, Naomi came came out and showed off the belt with the uh, lights. Naomi, when not booked as snatch you ball type of girl, is actually extremely well spoken. Let her do that. <laughs> I mean, like, don't stop with the gangster two two liners and and let her hit the high points. Let her actually talk. She's very well spoken, and she can stay within her character uh, and just not turn it up to eleven and and still be very good. I, I thought she did. A phenomenal job on talking smack last night yeah all in all i thought it was good so uh cool everybody so sunday great balls of fire you guys excited i am it, it took me a while to get there because when they first started talking about the name and the logo i really thought this is going to be a hacky pay-per-view but they have really i they have really made it somewhat interesting for me so yeah i'm gonna watch I'm going to watch excitingly. For a brand split pay-per-view, this is actually a very stacked card. Um, This is a SummerSlam-esque type of card. And once you add the SmackDown uh, matches to it for SummerSlam, that could be fantastic. But what I'm afraid is going to happen is Raw is going to get 80% of the matches on SummerSlam, just like they did on uh, WrestleMania this year. SmackDown was just kind of the, the redheaded stepchild and sort of got booted to the curb and, Got a couple of good matches, but nothing of, of huge importance. Um, but uh, I'm excited for for the old great balls of fire. Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, may he rest in peace, even though he's not dead. 
Um, <laughs> but he's just one having of those trouble sleeping. You, you have to check. <laughs> you got to check on Wikipedia when he comes up. Kind of like, is Jerry Lee Lewis still alive? You know, and you're like, oh, he is, huh? There you go. I always enjoy those when having the conversations with the wife and you have to look up if somebody's still alive or dead or not. That's uh, yes, maybe not the best sign, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, great balls of fire. It'll be something. We'll be back here. Myself, Mr. Raj Geary, Mr. Matt Morgan to talk about everything that happens immediately after ends on the East coast. Uh, Samoa Joe or Brock Lesnar. Who do you think is going to win Dennis? I'm ho- I'm rooting for Samoa Joe, but they're not going to waste Brock Lesnar's title run yet because it's, you know, they pay him per parent. So I, I, you know, what? I'm going on, I'm going on a lip. I'm staying Samoa Joe. Uh, Brock Lesnar in about 10 minutes. Hopefully they give him some time, make Joe look good, but I don't think there's much of a chance that they let Lesnar lose here. We shall see. Could be great if he did. What if Paul Heyman turns on Brock? And that's the key. So they keep Brock looking strong, but you know, wow. Smoke huh. Joe pulls off a win. Stranger things have happened. It is the WWE. We'll be curious to see how, uh, how all that goes. Cool guys. Uh, so I think that about covers it for this edition of the wrestling Inc podcast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, Dennis, where can people find you on the interwebs? If you're on Twitter, Dennis seven, seven feral F A R E L L. You can send me a Facebook friend request. Uh, PD Williams, former X division champion and myself. We do our podcast here, too, called The Wrestling Perspective. Tune in. Uh, we're going to try to do new things on uh, maybe once a month. We're going to post out a phone number, and you can actually call into the podcast and be a part of it. So follow me or PD to uh, get that phone number whenever we decide to do that. And that's a really fun show, guys. You, you really need to check that out. PD has some, some really cool stories, some good experiences. So that's a really fun show. Uh, but you guys can find me at Knockdown underscore radio. Um, hang out with me on Twitter during the main shows. Uh, and follow me on the NXT viewing party tonight. Cool, guys. And I did just check. So for people that were wondering, both Jerry Lee Lewis and Jerry Lewis still alive. So I saved you all a Google search right there. Uh, I, of course, am Glenn Rubenstein. Until next time, folks, on behalf of myself, Mr. Chris Calicut, and Mr. Mr. Dennis Farrell, uh, we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. <laughs>